Hello and welcome to the latest Coleman Had a Dream podcast. I'm here with Ruth. Evening. We are going to be discussing, obviously, the appointment of Ryan Giggs as Wales national team manager. We've also got a few other news items to go through. Uh, We also thought we'd have a chat about the Nations League, the format and how it is going to impact Wales to hopefully get into Euro 2020. So, nice, simple, easy question to start you off with, Ruth. What do you think of the appointment? (laughs) I think, like a lot of people, I'm probably a bit ambivalent now. We are kind of where we are. Um, wouldn't, it's not, in honesty, we've made it clear in earlier podcasts, he wouldn't have been our choice. But I think, ironically, now that we're at this position, he has, it has to work for him. It absolutely has to work no, for totally him. Agree. So from that point of view, one assumes he's going to be really, really invested in what's happening. And, and so from that basis, hopefully it turns out to be a good appointment because I think the, the, the need for him, for him to see this through successfully is huge. Um, probably the biggest pressure on a, a manager we've ever had, actually, yeah. in terms of what he has to deliver. Um, and he clearly, if you're looking at his playing career, he can clearly handle pressure situations. So um, hopefully that will get the fruits of that. I mean, I agree with you. He's in a very pressurised situation, and I think he'll he'll be fine with handling that. Um, my, I've been, you know, I've been very clear that I didn't want him to get the job for a variety of different reasons. Some footballing, um, some non-footballing, um, all of which I think are fair. Um, and for what it's worth, I think the FAW have made a mistake. However, I'm very much of the train of thought that we've got to we've got to support him we've got to support the team um i think that's the only thing we can do to be honest i think he has potential i I, I think that that's genuine i do think he has potential and i do think he has a lot to prove to the welsh public i think he probably has a bit to prove to some of the players as well to be perfectly honest um i think a lot of the media aren't going to be instantly in his pocket and i think I don't know if you saw the press conference. Um, he was Rob Phillips um, asked some very good questions, which he sort of addressed and sort of didn't. But I do think he came very uh, came across very well in that, and I think he does have potential. Yeah. While we're on that, hat off to Rob Phillips. Actually, he really pushed <laughs> yeah, him yesterday. I was I was very impressed with that. Um, I think I, I don't disagree with you in terms of the FA Wales hierarchy and potentially making a mistake but equally I think if we look back over the last three or four appointments you could argue that we as the fans have certainly had questions about each and every one of them and yet they've been proved right Um, you know you could argue that some of them might have I mean Hughes in particular was probably in post a little too long Um, but each of the four last appointees they've, they've probably done what was needed at the time yeah um you needed someone like toshak who didn't actually in, in reality didn't really need to prove anything he could throw the baby out with the bathwater and yeah. start again he was in a position to do that and then you needed speed's kind of love and passion and then you needed coleman's sort of hoyle at each of those points they chose the right person in yeah. hindsight so I'm trying to have faith in them choosing the right person now. I'm willing to, to run with that. I think there's, you know, we, we all love the idea of Together Stronger. And this is the point where we've got to show it. Yeah. We've got to show that it's not 
just a flippant thing for the good times. You've got to show that we've got the strength to have disagreements, to have falling outs, to have situations that, that people say uncomfortable things, but we get through it. Yeah. And I mean, like the most collective sense of we. And so that's the onus is on us as fans, really, in that regard. No, to I, I be behind the team, to be supportive, to. Um, but right now, I think the important thing is we've just, we've just got to get behind the team, oh, full stop. No question, we've got to support him, we've got to support the players. Um, I mean,. I've got to be honest, I, I do hope you're right, and you know, we've doubted the FAW in their last few appointments, and they've seemed to get them right. Um, I read today that Ryan Giggs is the fifth oldest manager mm. that we've ever appointed. That was surprising. Which I was really interested in, because it shows we have this policy of going for the youth, mm-hmm. you know, in management terms anyway, and in experience, and you know, it has paid off you know, on a couple of occasions. Uh, as proved, you know, when you know with speed before what happened happened, and obviously with with Mark Hughes as well. My only thing I I'm not sure of in the in the way that the FAW have handled this is was how they came to their shortlist, and I know that it's difficult to say because we don't have all the information. But I do think I, when I saw that shortlist come out last week, I thought to myself. I feel like we're selling ourselves short. Yeah. And that is my overriding feeling of the appointment of gigs. And to be honest, I probably would have felt the same about any of the four people on there. My problem is, is that I think we've appointed, I think we've appointed people, or given them an interview, sorry, almost solely on the, on the basis of them being Welsh. Yeah. And I think if we're about giving young managers a chance, I think that's fine. And I think if we're about giving Welsh managers a chance, that's fine. But I felt at the moment we've we've given we've given interviews and fundamentally given a job to someone pretty much only on the basis that he played for Wales. And I have a real problem with that. At, 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 at the moment, we've got the best team we've ever had. You know, if we're looking at young managers, I don't know anything about whether Stephen Gerrard would have been interested. Um, but you know, why weren't we looking down that road of other young? talented managers I feel we've sold ourselves short on the basis of them being Welsh and I thought that was compounded for me when the person who's got the most experience there is is Mark Bowen and is again just as an assistant manager he got that in job interview because he's Welsh yeah. I think if Sammy Lee had gone for that job he spent his career pretty much only being an assistant would he have got an interview no well what's the difference it's solely on the basis that they're Welsh and I admire what the FAW are trying to do in, in, in keep that keeping you know the Welshness of the of the team together. But I have a bit of a problem with the way it was the way it was done and, and what came what came out of that and as I said, I just wanna like reiterate, I'm you know, I'm right behind gigs. I don't I didn't want him, I don't want him, but now that ship has sailed, we've got him and I'm more than happy that he's there because he's the manager of Wales. I just um disappointed in the way that we've got to the point that we've got to now. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think, really, this should, given where we are as a team, this should have been the best pool of candidates we've ever been able to draw. I could not agree more. And so, on that basis, it does feel disappointing that that shortlist was that shortlist. Now, yeah. we don't know what the applicants were. We don't... I mean, there was talk of there being 100 applications going in. I'm sure some portion of those are, you know... <laughs> Jokey applicants, well, but let's say that three of them were mine. <laughs> let's say there was eighty decent, you know, genuine applications in that. Then, what what happened to get from A to B? 
because it, it kind of sits to me almost like a bit of a done deal. And you hear talk of how well Bellamy came across in the interviews and how on point he was and how impressive he was. Again, we don't know the details. But if that was the case, why are, why are we with gigs? If Bellamy yeah. actually interviewed better, then was it a play, fair playing field to start with? Was this... It feels like a hidden agenda of they knew what man they wanted and they just they had interviews for the sake of having no, interviews. I, I, I would happen to agree with that. I, I think the Bellamy thing personally came out, in my opinion, just to make it seem like, oh, we have tried to, to you know, to do it fairly. And yeah, do you not gigs? Uh, sorry, Bellamy did really well. And I felt like there was like a that was a story that was leaked mm-hmm. to make it seem more of a genuine process, which I'm not I'm not convinced Convince, it was. I think yeah. I think they wanted gigs from the start. And did what they had to do to get him. Um, however, um, I've, we have to say something positive. He does have exceptional experience as a player in the Premier League. He's worked with some of the best managers in the world. He did have experience as a as an assistant manager. He did have a little bit of time as manager of, you know, one of the biggest five clubs in the world. I think that does deserve some sort of respect. Um, I'm personally becoming tired of all the. The friendlies jokes yeah, that are knocking just, around the place—it's yeah. not going to solve anything. I, you know, I agree with the sentiment. I don't think he was committed to Wales in his first, you know, in his opening years of being a player. However, there was obviously more to that than meets the eye. You know, there's not too many people who stood up to Ferguson and got away with it. Um, I do think he could have done more, but I appreciate as a young boy he's in a very tricky position there with a very powerful guy. So I do get that. So I, I think that has to be kind of pushed to one side and yeah. forgotten about. It's not relevant. No, and it's not helpful. I think that's the thing. My biggest problem is the division this has already caused amongst fans, and that's a concern to me, and I don't think that shows any sign of letting up. And I'm going to be honest and say something that I never want to be the person who says. I think a lot of it is kind of like bandwagon jumpers. Oh, yeah. And and I do think that a lot of the kind of real fans, in inverted commas, who were there for a long, long time when you know things weren't going well, I think they are wise enough to realise that we've been in worse situations than, yeah. than we and are now. Said, yeah. And having Ryan Giggs, the most decorated Premier League player of all time as our manager, is is not the catastrophe uh, that many people are kind of seeing it as. Um, and I think that is the biggest thing he has got to solve. And I think the only way he's going to be able to solve that is by going to the pubs and clubs and, yeah. and, and going and getting involved in grassroots Welsh football. I think that's when people will say... Yeah, Fair real. enough, you mean this. Yeah. Um, and ultimately, like he said, he's got to win football matches. Yeah. And I think if he does that, you that know, was everything that will be forgotten. came out of the press conference that did leave me a little bit concerned. Was, and let's, let's be honest, his, his role primarily is to win international games. But there was very little mention of the wider role of being you know, an ambassador for football within the country and without the country. Yeah. And... And the role of development and that side of things. And that did concern me a little bit from the press conference. I do wonder whether we're going to have a sort of Hughes-like situation where it's a little bit first-team centric. Um, Thankfully, we have a much better um, flow of players now. We have a much better system in place. That I don't think it would be the end of the world if that that person was concentrating on the first team. As as long as the the pyramid is there... um, but and this is I'm leading round to the whole Osh and Roberts question. But this does leave me wondering a little bit whether 
Giggs actually just really wants to manage the first team and he'll let Oshin kind of, oh, well, that's your area, that's your that's job, your job. Yeah. that's what's happening down there, that's the technical director's role. Um, so that, that does concern me a little bit because I think, I think where Speed and Coleman in particular won people round when we had questions about both of them was the fact that they rolled their sleeves up and they got on with it yeah. and, they, and they dug into Welsh football in the most general sense. I think wheeling back to the Oshan Coleman, mm-hmm. I totally agree with you, you know, rolling your sleeves up and being involved. I think rolling back to the Oshan Roberts question, the way I read something that he said in the interview, he actually mentioned his job as technical director, said to me, that's going to be his job. Yeah. And I personally don't think he's going to be involved in the first team. No. And I think he's going to get a few of his cronies in. Uh, Paul Scholes, for example, yeah. that's been mentioned. I think he'll get some of them in to, to be his immediate backroom team. And I think it wouldn't surprise me if he did get another then maybe more experienced coach uh, to come, maybe if he's only part-time to yeah. do stuff with him. Um, Eddie Nisvecki has gone everywhere with Mark Hughes, and obviously Mark Hughes is out of a job at the minute. They've just appointed Paul Lambert. Mm-hmm. Does that mean he'll you know, become yeah. available? I, I don't know, but I th- that's what I took from yeah. that situation. I would agree with that, and that concerns me. Because I think if we roll back the clock again, you need the, the Brian Flynn character whispering in the ear of the first team coach, of first team manager. Who's next? Who's next? Who's next? That's why the conveyor belt has and hopefully will continue to work. And I think as soon as we start to lose that connection, we're taking a step back. Because we're relying on bringing through the under-19s, bringing through the under-21s, and and that being a real feeder. We can't rely on players coming through like at club level the way England can yeah. and we just like pick them pick up them as up. and when you know we've we've got to work at it um, and so having Oshin separate from the the first team really does concern me not necessarily because it's a separate a separation of Oshin although that, that's a different question but it's a separation of what I see as our strength right that that together, literally, yeah. you know, going from under 60, well, even younger than under 60, but going from, you know, under 16s all the way up. And I think that's where we could trip ourselves up if we're not careful. I, totally I, I think Oshin's connection with the players is really important as well. I think you're going for a, a very new broom if you don't have him on that China trip, for example. If he's yeah. not part of that group, then what what... Other players coming back for? I, for what it's worth, I think he will go to China, <laughs> and I think he'll probably have some sort of involvement in the first uh, couple of games after that in the in the Nations League as yeah. like a handover, yeah. for want of a better expression. But I think long term, his his role lies elsewhere. And to an extent, I actually don't have much of a problem with that mm-hmm. because I think. Giggs is intelligent enough to realise he's not the person who's going to naturally and instinctively bring through those younger players. And I think that Oshan would be good, in a sense, being able to continue what he's doing and having some sort of liaison with Giggs, pushing those players through, rather than necessarily being in the first team and being in his ear all the time mm-hmm. saying, bring him through, bring him through. You know, also, I think, in the, very, in the, in the immediate short term, Giggs has got an easy enough job bringing through because there's three young lads yeah. there who are the future of Welsh football and we've got enough quality around them for those three to come in and make a difference. Mm-hmm. And then after that, not that it doesn't matter, but it doesn't matter 
right now. Yeah. He can use those three to help him go and win football matches now. Looks like he's bringing the youth through. And then if we do win a few and he's got the public on side, I think then he can go back and look at that. Um, I think Oshan's biggest strength, we have had the fortune to spe- speak to Josh Frankham, who's one of the, uh, the under-16s players. He will be featuring on a podcast very soon. Um, he said that straight away the thing he was struck with was the people who came and spoke to him and helped him out on Oshan, welcomed him and wanted him to be part of the setup set and encouraged him. And he said that was a big deal to him. And I think that that may be where in the future his strength lies, which is, you know, grooming those players through the system and, and pushing them through the age groups and, and at a point saying to Giggs, right, we're ready to go here. So I, whilst he may not be actively involved in the first team, I think... His role is just as cru- will be as crucial as ever, and I just think he'll be undertaking it in a slightly different way. And that that just concerns me because that, that's in inverted commas a demotion for him. And you know, is he going to take that? You know, is is that enough for him? I mean, I think he's so valuable that we have to we have to be mindful of that. I just think are we losing anything by him going down? He may lose a bit of ego, effectively. You know, if it is a demotion in inverted commas, but are we, you know, as Welsh football lost anything because of that? I'm, no, but I'm we'd lose. Sure. We'd lose out if that's not enough for him. If that's what. I mean, I know what you mean, to, but to I, do is he going to go somewhere else and get another job somewhere else? Like right now, I, I just don't think so. And I think maybe looking further into the future, maybe mm-hmm. want to try his hand. But immediately, I think. I just don't see him wanting another job somewhere else. I can understand that. I mean, he. I think in some respects he'd be foolish to do anything immediate because he doesn't know how this is going to play yeah. out. He doesn't know what the situation is. And like you say, if he, you know, if he's involved in the next three or four games and Giggs actually thinks, yeah, actually this is valuable input, yeah. this is worthwhile, this is a good guy to have around, then then, then things might be different by the autumn. Um, but it just concerns me because I think he's such a valuable piece of the whole machinery that I think we'd be naive to think that you you can just remove that and it won't have implications. Oh, definitely, and, yeah. and I, you know, come what may, I, I just sincerely hope he doesn't fall out of Welsh football completely uh, and kind of get pissed off with this whole uh, situation that's happened. Personally, I, I just don't, I don't see that's happening. Um, moving on, just one mm-hmm. one more thing. What do you think uh, the players will think of this? I, I have found it interesting that unless I've missed someone that no players have come out and said, delighted to have Giggs as manager, welcome, Gaffer. I haven't, I haven't heard anything, which is, I think is really, really interesting. It, I mean, it, it, it kind of screams of a three-line whip of don't get on Twitter, doesn't it, from, the, from FA Wales, which, if they've felt the need to say that to players, is an interesting statement. Uh, I mean, that's conjecture, but it, I think it's interesting. Um, I, I do find it really surprising I find that, that someone... If it, you know, whether it was Gareth or Ashley Williams as captain, or someone hasn't, sort of, you know, on behalf of the yeah. the first team, we'd really like to da 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 da. I do find it telling that either they genuinely don't know what to say, which I think is telling, or they've been told not to say anything, yeah. which is telling. Uh, it just it, it just seems strange. No, I totally agree, and I think. It is telling, whichever way you kind of yeah. turn it around, whether they've not wanted to say anything, whether they've been told not to say anything on social media, it is it is very yeah. strange, I think. And again, you know, we've spent the last few minutes trying to be positive. <laughs> that, is a, that is a big negative to mm-hmm. 
and I know there's been lots of newspaper reports. You know, Bale said it. You know, he was my. You know, apparently has said he's his hero and all this. Maybe you know, he'd expect something yeah. from that. Maybe he said something privately, and like you say, he's been told not to play FAW because yeah. they they're expecting some sort of social media backlash, which is ridiculous in itself. Yeah. But I can't imagine anyone having a go at Gareth Bale, for example, no. because he said welcome to Ryan no. Giggs. I don't know, but anyway, I have found that that thing very interesting. Um, oh, I was intrigued. I mean, it kind of we've talked about it because we talked about the interviews a little bit, but I'm I'm still trying to work out what it. If we treat the interviews as fair and square, which I have my doubts about, what was it that made him the best candidate? Because he's he doesn't get it on experience of managerial roles. But he, then again, I think you do have to discount that the experience argument. I think when you look at those four, it's pretty much null and void. Yeah. I'm just trying to work out what made him the best because he doesn't. He's he's not the most not the most engaging orator. He's not the most on paper qualified he's not I just I'm not I'm still trying to understand it <laughs> I think from from my perspective I think a lot of it is to do with the commercial side yeah and they want to have they want to have uh, <laughs> they, they, they want to have they want to have pictures of people players and managers and whatever else yeah on bedroom walls and engage certain angles of the Welsh public who weren't necessarily engaged before and it, from that aspect you've got to say that gigs ticks a lot of boxes um but is that necessary i mean i i, I think it's a double-edged sword that i personally don't think it's necessary i think if you're winning football matches um then everything else will come yeah. but i think they've got to look at it from the aspect of a what if we don't b if we're being brutal I know it was a Panama game, and I know it was after France, and you know, with, you know, the Euro, uh, the World Cup qualification. Sorry, had passed. You know, from saying we're supposed to be, you know, the Red Wall and all this, there weren't many people there, and I and I wonder if maybe they've thought we don't want Welsh football to slip far from the Welsh people's conscious and consciousness. Is that the right word? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we don't want that to happen, and a big name appointment like this will keep us in in the public's mind. And I think maybe people, I don't know what the first friendly home friendly is going to be or what the first home game is going to be with him as the manager. But, you know, they want to keep the momentum. They want people to keep going. They want people to be singing the anthem and buying bucket hats and whatever else. And I think perhaps they've seen this as a way of of doing that. That's a concern, isn't it? That's back to the old days where we put the, the commercial side of things first. I just think that's part of it. I just... I think you've got to take the appointment being concerning kind of out of it to an extent because if we're, if we're honest with each other, none of us, apart from the people who are in that interview, know whether he's got good enough experience, whether he's got good enough tactical now, whether he's, whether he's a good enough speaker, whether he's you know, going to have good links with the players. None of us know that. Yeah. So I think, and, and I think part of the fact that we have those four people who were part of the process I think we I think we've just got to trust the FAW that they've made the right decision which is hard but equally the last four appointments um, I was alright with the Hughes appointment actually no, at the I time was, I was alright um, with it as an appointment the timeline the, the, the longevity of it might be but that was the of those four roles that's probably the only bit of it they didn't get right which when you look at 
managerial turnover at an international level. Actually, that's that's a yeah. return. You know, that's a good return rate. And you could even argue before that. I mean, I I grew up. You know, I spent my formative years of Welsh football going to watch Wales play under under John Toshak. Um, you know, and it was awful. Yeah. But it served a purpose. Yeah. So again, you, could you argue that that was a, yeah, a that's good why, appointment? That's why I would say all four appointments, I think, were turned out to be the right men at the right time yeah. because they were all needed. Um, and so, I mean, that's where we opened. I, I, I'm trusting in it because I think at the minute the track record is okay. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, I will use my experience as a Newcastle fan here <laughs> that appointing managers in this in this in this world in this setting and for international football and club football is really hard yeah and Newcastle for example and I'm sure other you know club supporters could say the same it's bloody hard mm. and I'd imagine that how many people were excited when Neil Warnock took over at Cardiff City yeah. not many equally I don't know how many people would have been happy that Carvajal took over at Swansea and he's he's had a you know a good start to yeah. life there so you know, it is very difficult. You don't always know what you're going to get, and I think in that, for that reason alone, we've got to trust what the FAW have done because they have got a good track record of appointing young managers. Um, and as a consequence of that, I think we've just got to back them. Yep. Uh, you know, like you made the perfect point earlier of together stronger. If we're actually, if we actually mean that, and it's not just a meaningless slogan. Yep then now's the time to show it. If we are together stronger, then do you know what? Put all our differences aside and support the manager, support the team. And I just don't think anyone is going to gain anything in a year's time. And we've lost a load of matches and everyone going, well, I knew he was going to be awful. Yeah. No one's going to gain anything from that situation. No, I, I, can't be, I can't imagine being happy in a year because we haven't won a football match and going to myself, well, at least I was right. I knew he was awful. <laughs> you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah. That, that doesn't solve doesn't, anyone's problems. So, I, I, so I think we've just got to be on board. If it goes wrong, it goes wrong. And, but hopefully, you know, as they have in the last few appointments, the FAW have got it absolutely spot on. Um, so fingers crossed. Yep. I think... It may be time to move on as the, yes. as the, as the heavy bass kicks in <laughs> behind us. So we've obviously spent a lot of time talking about Ryan Giggs. Uh, there's other things that we can be talking about other than the new Welsh manager. Um, the first one I wanted to mention, I know normally we don't talk about club football here, but Coleman's struggles at Sunderland really struck me. I watched yeah. the, the game against Cardiff uh, the other morning, and I was struck at, A, how really bad they are. And I've got to be honest, I was equally struck by Coleman's demeanour and stuff on the side of the pitch. Like He kind of looked like a broken man a bit. Yeah, he, and after the game, he was probably a little bit more forthright in a public setting than might be the norm for a manager in that position and so that made you wonder you know a bit too perhaps a bit too much shooting from the hip a bit too much honesty um which I know we always sort of saw as his strength yeah um but perhaps not in that environment um so yeah it did it was concerning um because I mean I understand it's Sunderland and you're a Newcastle fan, but 
I mean, we, we, you want it to work for him. He deserves for it to work for him. I mean, I agree with you. It, it deserves for him to work. I, I think that maybe <laughs> there was a moment on the weekend where he was sat there, or stood there thinking, you know, of all yeah. the things I've achieved. In here, Cardiff. <laughs> and here I am. I, there was a, I think there was a, the irony wasn't wasted on him on Saturday, and I think, I don't know, maybe, 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 maybe you're regretting his decision. I don't know. Gus Poyet said Sunderland has a, a cancer within it. And maybe he's, maybe he's, maybe right. he's learning that's true. Yeah. Moving on from my hatred of Sunderland, um, I do hope that this means that some of the, the rumours we've heard about Welsh players moving around, possibly to play for Chris Coleman, mm-hmm. are true. And there's been talk of Ampadu, there's yeah. been talk of Woodburn, uh, all going to play for Sunderland. And whilst I'd be obviously devastated that they would put on that, that red and white shirt, I, I think that they would be great signings. Yeah. It'd be great for them to get first team football and play regular football. Um, delighted that Wayne Hennessy is playing regular football again. Um, what do you think? Well, there is a bit of a concern, isn't there, in terms of the regular regular Saturday games that some of the, some of our first team are getting. Um, clearly it's improved with Hennessy now playing a game for, game for Palace, but Ashley Williams, yeah. more or less on the bench for Everton. Um, Jagielka's got back in. Yeah. So on that basis, I think there's a, you know, things are not going so well for Edwards and Gunter at Reading. They're having a bit, you know, pretty mediocre year. Um, So I do think there's a bit of a concern. I mean, at at least Aaron Ramsey's back training. Yeah, he's going to be back Um, soon. But then I've got to say, I hate Jack Wilshere, but (laughs) I watched a bit of the the Bournemouth game the other day and he's he's playing very well. He's not guaranteed to get his place back at Arsenal. So, again, that's that's a bit of a concern. I, 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 I do hope... The big one for me is I think Rambo, for example, is good enough that if he gets 20 minutes for Arsenal a week, he'll still be great for yeah. us. I would just love to see Ampadu, Woodburn, and Danny Ward was the other yeah. one we said. Yeah, I don't understand. You look at the state of goalkeeping at Liverpool. I mean, I think they're sort of holding it together with what's happening up front at the minute, aren't they? You know, they're winning, they're winning games by scoring four or five goals. Um, but it just doesn't make sense why Danny Ward's not getting a game at, at the back there because it's just I agree. their goalkeeping situation's just a mess. If you're going to give Carrius a game, yeah, uh, it's worth having a gamble on, yeah. on on Danny Ward if nothing else. So I'd, I'd, again, I'd like to hope that he would go and get yeah. some game time. Um, again, uh, delighted Wayne Hennessy's back in. I think he's a very good keeper, and I think if we are going to you know, stick with him in goal. I think that's great, but we need to have someone who's playing regular underneath yeah. him. And I, th- and I hope that Danny Ward goes somewhere and gets football like he did at Huddersfield last year. Uh, I hope he does go back and get that. So fingers crossed. Um, and Bale's back from Madrid. Bale's that's back from Madrid. That's probably the best news. Best news, absolutely. And he looked, he looked really comfy. He looked pacey. Um, looked a threat. He, he looked a threat. Yeah. Scored two goals. So I think on that basis, that's you know that's clearly positive. But I mean, what I was impressed with was just how speedy he looked. Yeah. He looked very comfortable. Um, I do and think in a way. Sorry. I mean, he was moving in a way that, in hindsight, you realise he hasn't flowed like that in quite a yeah. while. Uh, so hopefully that's a, a sign of what's to come. I agree. I thought he looked relaxed. I thought Real Madrid have obviously done a good job in not rushing him back this time. He's had so many injuries there. So great to see that he scored some goals. Uh, as you say, looking more back to himself uh, as well. Um, as we are doing this on Tuesday night, Cardiff City have just beaten Mansfield Town in the Cup, which means they have a home tie against Manchester City. Newport have a home tie against Newport County. No, no. 
Newport. What did I have say? Have a home time against Spurs. What did yeah. I say? Newport have a home tie against Newport County. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens when you're on your second beer. Exactly. <laughs> Genuine. It's got. It's getting worse. Oh, he's looking. He's too interested in the weather forecast because we may actually have snow here tomorrow. That's so I'm, I'm afraid Dave is spending more time watching the telly <laughs> in the pub about how much snow we're going to get tomorrow. Anyway, as I was saying, <laughs> Newport County are at home to Tottenham Hotspur. That's the one, dear. There we go. Um, <laughs> Two fantastic draws great. for, for Welsh really teams. Great. I know Swansea have got Wolves to play, and the replay will be in Swansea. Um, so that that game's still to come. But you got to fancy Wolves in that one, though, haven't you? <laughs> I would have thought, to be fair, though, if Wolves were going to win that game, they would have won that game at home. True, true. true. So you never know. Carvajal, yeah. I think, has done a decent job mm-hmm. there. You never know what what could come from that. Um, what do you think is the more fanciful tie? The Man City, Cardiff, Ooh. or the Newport Spurs? From an upset point of view, I might actually go for Newport of two. Um, but, yeah, just because Cardiff are a little... They seem a bit tired. They seem a little bit lethargic at the minute. Things aren't going quite as they were, like, five or six weeks ago. I think when Rodney Parade is rocking, it's really rocking. So, on that basis, if, you, if I had to put money on either game, I'd probably go for an upset in the in the Newport Tottenham game plus that pitch like I watched the Leeds game and that pitch is not great <laughs> and Man City I can, you can, sorry not Man City I can imagine you know the Spurs players rocking up Christian Eriksen wandering up to that <laughs> going oh, what is this um, so I, I agree with you I do think Cardiff have enough about them to make that game very awkward oh well, I agree I, I think agree. the atmosphere will probably be pretty good mm-hmm. and I think they're a fairly physical direct team yep. when they need to be Cardiff and I think that'll be a, a tough game for Man City I still expect Man City to win and I agree with you I think that if anyone's going to cause an upset there it's going to be Newport but two fantastic cup ties yeah, I mean that's the important thing isn't it it's what the FA Cup's about That's exact, those are exactly the ties you look for and Mike Flynn talked about you know we need a big draw this could get us a new training ground this is the sort of thing Nick replay here yeah. you know go Head back to, to Wembley, to Wembley. <laughs> unbelievable for Newport um, so fingers crossed that happens um, the other thing that has come out in the news this week that there'll be no home friendlies uh, after China uh, and before the Nations League due to two pop concerts at the Millennium Stadium and, and Cardiff City Stadium. Part of me thinks this would be a great chance to play a friendly somewhere else. Yeah. I know this is something that's big on your agenda. Yeah, we've had a, we've had a lot of discussions about this, haven't you? You've always argued that for staying in Cardiff, but... It's, it does seem like an opportune moment yeah. to easily move it to the Liberty. Or, I mean, you can't move it, unfortunately, to Wrexham at the minute, but um, you could at least go to the Liberty. Yeah. And, and so I think, I think they should be looking at that as an option, definitely. Um, I wonder whether the, the sort of framing of it is, you know, to head off to one of their camps that they enjoy. They obviously, there's a particular place in Portugal that they seem to enjoy, you know, and just combine it with a, a, game, with a game down there. Um, which which might be what they need. They, they, you know, at this point, a sort of training squad session might be much more important, really, than any particular friendly. No, I agree. I mean, personally, I'm hoping that they play uh, the USA uh, here in Boston. But I think I actually see the value in the training camp a bit less, only because they're going to be in China. That's true. First of all, yeah. so that'll allow gigs to get a good handle on things. Maybe it would be a chance for him to, you know, he knows what he's going to get from Bale and Ramsey and, and what have you. So I think maybe 
the second set of friendlies being a camp could be a chance for him to take younger players and have mm-hmm. a proper look at others who yeah. are kind of and there's on a the point in the season where you might just want to re- you know you just say to some of those players okay your season's over you know you just go and have a long summer recoup yeah. and, and we'll have a, effectively a sort of a and a half team going yeah. going and a bit of a jolly yeah. up um, but I'm intrigued to see what comes of that and as I say hopefully if anyone from the FAW is listening, if you want to come to Boston and play at Foxborough, that'd be great. Uh, or Fenway Park, I'd be happy with either. Um, now, discussing briefly there the Nations League, you and I have discussed on several occasions that we don't really know what it's about. So I have done some research okay. into the format and looking at your bits of paper that you've just turned over there, I can see you've done some research and this has turned start, out quite nicely. Starting to get my head around it slowly, except I will call it the League of Nations, yeah. which is a reflection of my age. There's no two ways about that. Uh, and this has nothing to do with uh, post-war, uh, post-war Britain. Anyway, um, to give you anyone, dear listener, a brief run through the circumstance that we find ourselves in. There are four divisions, like a good teams, some quite good teams, some average teams, and some rubbish teams. We're in the quite good teams bit. Um, there will be, for Wales, three teams in a group. First in the group gets promoted and gets a spot in the playoffs of Euros 2020, which I'll come back to. Second, you've just come second. And third, you get relegated. The bit that we have struggled with, which I have done loads of research on, <laughs> is what happens in the playoffs. Basically, each team who win their group, be that in the great teams group, the good teams group, and so on, everyone who wins their group goes through to the playoffs. Then you will play semi-finals and finals against the other group winners in your division. However, the bit that becomes complicated is when the team who've won their group have already qualified. Yeah. In which case, it will go to the second-place team in the group, or the third-place team <laughs> in the group, or for a, in an instance where all three teams in a group have qualified, it will go to the next best-ranked team who haven't qualified. Now, I've explained that as best as I can, <laughs> so if anyone has understood, I'll be very, very impressed. Um... There will be a test at the end. I hope you will be making notes. Um, I think the, I, I, I'm impressed by the idea, which mm-hmm. is basically one team from the bad teams group, your Faroe Islands yeah. of the world. One of those teams is going to play in Euro 2020. And, you know, they're not going to enhance the competition, but they're not going to do any harm. I quite like that. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a value to that. And, and I would say that looking at playing Georgia, for example, and Moldova in our group. I know at home Moldova weren't a challenge to us, but Georgia were a challenge home yeah. and away. Moldova was a challenge away. I think they can do enough yeah. to kind of merit their place in there. And in I the think you need to provide a route for... I don't like the word lesser because that's not fair, but the teams that are all, you know, perhaps are always going to be fourth at best in a five group. Yeah. But you, you have to find a way to incentivize that and give their FAs a way to show to their public, yeah, this is worth investing in. We can, we can get somewhere with this. And I think for those bottom teams, I think there's a real pathway. Um, which is worth investing in. And I would imagine that whilst what's in France v Germany or someone uh, in the top group, you know, that might be all right. I reckon there's going to be some brilliant uh, 
some brilliant games in those lower groups because those teams are going to be scrapping for a game yep. you know in Euro 2020 which is fantastic um, what does this mean for Wales which is what we all ultimately care about if you just excuse me while I waft my bits of paper around so we are in a set of leagues with either Sweden, Ukraine, Republic of Ireland or Bosnia and Herzegovina and then the third team will either be Northern Ireland, Denmark, Czech Republic and Turkey. Mm-hmm. So of the two sets of options there, the two other, other yeah. teams, who do you fancy? Well, the interesting thing is we're actually statistically, because the UEFA have decided that Russia can't play Ukraine and Russia, like us, are in like the top pot of this second tier... Well explained. Um, <laughs> then, statistically, we're more likely to get Ukraine because. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Um, anyway, I don't want the Republic of Ireland because no. I just don't think. I just can't look at James McLean's no, face. I, th- <laughs> I just hate him. Okay. Sorry. I just. I think both them and Northern Ireland. I mean, if you look at the the toughest two games we've had over the last what eighteen months, they it was those two games. Yeah. Um, there is something about that kind of battling, you know, close the shutters kind of play that we have trouble with. Yeah. Um, so I would just like to avoid both of those. Um, out of the, the first part, so taking Sweden, Ukraine, uh, the Republic of Ireland. And Bosnia. And Bosnia. I would probably, probably take Bosnia. Uh, just because I kind of feel like we know what we're doing. I'd like to avoid the Swedes. I mean, a team that can go to Italy and hold them 1-1. But, you know, they've got something about them to do that. Uh, So I think of that lot, I'd probably pick Bosnia-Herzegovina. And and try and avoid the Ukrainians, because I I still think we have this kind of Soviet destination problem going on. Um, So, yeah, I'd take Bosnia out of that lot. Ironically, I would take Ukraine. Okay. Only because I watched them play a couple of times uh, at the end of the campaign because in that weird way you could come second yes. thing uh, in the qualified yeah. World Cup, I watched them a few times. They were part of our battle. And they were quite good going forward, mm-hmm. couldn't really defend, seemed like the sort of team you'd want to play. Right. In the way that we kind of counter-attack, mm-hmm. they are quite an attacking team. I actually think it'd be A, quite an entertaining game yeah. uh, and B, I think we'd have a good chance of winning I don't fancy Bosnia because we always seem to lose <laughs> I don't fancy Republic of Ireland because I can't look at James McLean uh, at Sweden probably if they can hold the Italians home and away seem to be quite good at football yeah. um, I'm confident that everyone who doesn't care about this would want to go to Sweden yes. for, their, for their day out uh, which I think is totally understandable yes. Um, And I think for a dream group, for those of you who just want a day out, I think Denmark being the third team in our group. But they would be my avoiding the third pot team as well. Me too. You know? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think I wouldn't fancy Northern Ireland because I just can't give a good enough reason. I just don't want to play them. I think it would be dull. They sit in that game in Euro 2016, sorry, was awful. Um, I don't really want to play Turkey. Like in my head. Hakan Sass is still playing for them. I still think they're really good, and I know that's not true. Uh, but I think there'd be a, that'd be a tough game, yeah. and I don't fancy it. 
I'd take the checks out of that little pot. Me too. I mean, my only thing I'd say is that we're going to play the checks now in China. Yes. Um, so that won't exactly be a mouth-watering tie. <laughs> Again, the team we've both said we don't want to play on a footballing perspective. I, if I was back in Wales, would love a long weekend in Copenhagen. <laughs> um, so I completely understand why. Oh, but go, go to Prague. It'll, it'll do the same That's job. That's true, actually. Prague, Prague's job. not going to be rough, yeah. is it? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think those are the teams. I think from a, a great day out perspective, Wales, Sweden, Denmark would be all right. Mm-hmm. From a football perspective, Wales, Ukraine and Czech Republic would be good. To be fair, a friend of mine went to Kiev yep. on a stag do and said it was lovely. Yep. And, and Prague, Prague, Prague is, is stunning. Yep. Yep. So we've not given everyone two bad days. <laughs> what this means is we are then going to play Republic of Ireland, Northern Ireland, <laughs> and everyone is going to hate it. Um, on a serious note, I, I actually really value this. I think it's got a lot of positives, actually. Now I'm starting to understand it. It's certainly better than some nondescript friendlies. Plus, we've not really fre- played many friendlies. No, it does, they, they don't suit us. We, we play better when there's something on the line. Yeah. And there is something on the line with this, whether it's you know getting yourself into the next group so you can play the, the France and Germany's of the world, um, or whether it's you know a backdoor route for qualification. For Europe, um, but I think particularly because we haven't got competitive games till the fall, till the autumn, I think it's really important that those are genuinely competitive games when, when they come around. Plus, I think the fact that it's all quite condensed, mm-hmm. looking at the dates here, there's two in September, two in October, two in November. Mm-hmm. Um, within two months, that tournament is going to be complete. Yeah. I think that makes that quite exciting for the fans. Yeah. Three months, sorry. It makes it exciting for the fans. There's, I, especially for Ryan Giggs, I would say, looking at this, this is a big chance to get your foot in the door. Um, you want every opportunity to qualify for Euro yeah. 2020, don't you? I think yeah. gigs, especially in the circumstance, would be would be remiss of him. Sorry, to turn his nose yeah. up at it. For Wales, we win the group, we get into the playoffs. Um, there's a chance that if we can come second in the group and still get into the playoffs. Yeah. Um, I actually really like, like we said, I really like this. There's a lot to kind of hang on as things continue, and I think it makes. I would much rather play some sort of meaningful games yeah. against teams that are of our ability rather than getting heavily beaten by France or, you know, I'm going to scrap a game against, you know, Panama. Yeah. Um, so I think there's a real value to this and I hope the Wales take it seriously. Agreed. I think that's pretty much everything we wanted to cover today, yep. isn't it? I think so. Oh, can I take a little bit about Cyril Regis? I think it's really hard to sit here in the sort of 21st century and explain the impact that a few key black players in the 80s had. Viv Anderson, Laurie Cunningham, Cyril Regis particularly. I mean, they were the first three guys that were black players that were capped for England. Um, And just the what they went through the abuse that they took it's just unfathomable now Um, and understandably at the moment players quite rightly are reporting on racist abuse that they're getting from other players from the stands and and that's exactly what should be happening but the level that players were experiencing about 30-40 years ago is just unimaginable and to be able to 
to just to love the sport enough and love what you were doing and and push yourself through that and perform week after week the way those guys were doing just such admiration for what for what they managed and Regis in particular was a sort of long-legged messy footballer that's but equally he managed to look graceful at the same time he was your classic kind of you know just just a mess and uh, almost a mess until he was at full speed and then when he got to full speed there was a grace that came into his play and just beautiful to watch and one of those like when I look back at the early games early league games I was watching as opposed to international games he's one of those players that stands out as, as just worth the ticket money for a host of reasons and just just such sad news it's just I mean you look at people who have good lives and and he had a good life and changed a lot of things I think that's pretty much a perfect way to end um, thank you very much for listening we hope you enjoyed what we said rest in peace Cyril Regis and good night Please keep in touch with us. Send us questions, comments, funny stories about Welsh footballers. Uh, we have several ways that you can be in touch. Uh, they are Coleman had a dream at outlook.com, on Twitter at Coleman's underscore dream, or Facebook, which is Facebook forward slash Coleman had a dream. Please also keep an eye on our blog for regular updates, blogs, comments, and that is Coleman's dream.wordpress.com. Thank you very much for listening.